Hello again, everyone. And this week, I am uh, excited to have on the podcast with me Stephen Brown, locally known as Hummingbird Art. Stephen, thank you for giving me a few minutes of your time. You got it, Nick. Still on, man. <laughs> uh, not much at this point. Um, just kind of prepping to uh, go down to Miami for a week, work on an estate sale. Not looking forward to that because I feel like I got like a million things I got to work on. And so I'm trying to shove them. I down. thought you were going to do some Art Basel stuff going down to Miami as an artist. I was getting excited. But oh, yeah. The state does not sound that <laughs> Well, yeah. I mean, I, I went to Art Basel a lot when I was in high school. We'd go every year as like a field trip because I went to an art high school in Miami. And uh, it was always a fun oh, time. Cool. But yeah, I haven't done it in a long time. <laughs> I've heard so many mixed reviews. I'd I don't feel like taking a week out of my life and all that money is what I want to do. But some people have had so much success down there that it's like it's like a gamble. It's like, do you want to go to the, to the art casino? Yeah. Well, I, I never went down there as an artist. I only ever went down there as a, I guess, a high school student tourist, you could say. Um, yeah. Lots of underage yeah. drinking happens at Art Basel. Because, <laughs> you know, it's so busy. No one has time to check if you're old enough to drink wine. So as long as you have a nice shirt on, right. you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> for all, all the listeners who want to go have very bad wine, for you know, without your ID. <laughs> so so this is actually the first time I've ever met Stephen, um, ever met. Uh, do you prefer to be go by Steven or Hummingbird Art? Uh, I go by Hummingbird in the art spaces. Obviously, my name's Steven. And on Instagram, I have both going. Uh, Instagram wants to know that you're a real human being and not, which I don't like. I wish they would just take your business name and run with it, but it wants to know your real name. So my real name is Steven Brown. I've been going by that as an artist uh, for years. And about two years ago, I made the change just to go by Hummingbird and introduce myself as Hummingbird um in art spaces you know if i'm at you know Publix or something i'm not gonna say how many is hummingbird uh but <laughs> i do try to say hi i'm hummingbird nice to meet you and that builds a brand builds a identity and all i paint is really hummingbirds for the most part anyway so oh, right. it, yeah. the whole thing is trying to become a universe you know all right. so yeah like i was saying this is the first time i've ever uh spoke to you in person um we both did the uh, art crawl uh, two weeks ago, mm -hmm. and um, I was there alone, so I didn't really have time to walk around. But when I did finish setting up, I did walk around, uh, talk to a few artists about the podcast. Uh, you weren't at your booth or your car, I guess, uh, when I was there, <laughs> yeah. uh, when I was walking around. But Ash came up to me, uh, who I know from the Tampa Bay Society Photographic Arts uh, meetings every month. And yeah. she handed me mm -hmm. your card and said that I need to have you on. And uh, so <laughs> in the meantime, between then and now, uh, turns out you used to live like two blocks from me <laughs> in uh, the, the Kenwood neighborhood, I believe. And now you're yeah, over in a yeah, different part of St. Pete. <laughs> yeah, now I'm over towards uh, Jungle Prada with all the peacocks. And uh, it's just and it's the suburbs are so nice for what they are. I've lived downtown, quote unquote, for a while. And having like a backyard 
is just nice. Yeah. <laughs> it's just been nice to like have space and a porch and a place to park my cars. All those things are really nice. As much as I love it, a good downtown, tiny little studio apartment, <laughs> uh, having a backyard and a place where my cat actually enjoys living is it's where I want to be at the moment. So it's just weird that we never crossed paths before now. But I, I know I've always seen your yeah. name listed at like Mize exhibits and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me. Uh, I try my best to get out to the things. I I really like the way St. Pete has something going on every single week, art-wise. Uh, however, I don't think I should be a part of each thing. I have friends who go to two events. They have art in. They're making art for three different uh, specific art gallery shows a month, and it's just it's a lot of work to like get out of your comfort zone so much. I kind of want to be in my comfort zone, which is where I make the best art. You know, when Chad Mize has, you know, they're doing, he's doing flowers of, you know, of Florida. That's not my thing, but he was doing uh, like a dark portrait series. I was like, oh, that's my thing. You know, so I really like being in the right things uh, for my art and maybe your things and my things were not in the right spots. No, I get that. I get that. I mean, I also like, I, I don't really... Uh, I mean, this is something that comes up a lot on the podcast is I always feel like, do I need the traditional art world's validation for me? I don't feel like I do, but then I still try and chase it like a jilted lover, you know, so it, it doesn't. But so <laughs> like that being said, though, it's, like it's, yeah. it's like a mother's love. It's like, I don't need it. But once there, you're like, oh, yes, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. It is absolutely no. not the source of my income is local shit. Uh, local markets, <sighs> vending at local events absolutely is. But local yeah. art museums, local galleries, it's like it, it's never been worth the effort I put in financially. Sure. And I don't know how to calculate emotional rewards. So that's, I guess, my problem. Yeah. So, like, there are certain, a lot of them are just hangout spots for artists. You know, like, I'll go to shows, I'll have a piece hanging in the show. I get free entry, which is better than $10 or $15 for some of them. Like, okay. And then I'm just hanging out with artists and drinking beer and just like, all right, this was like, we all could have just made this an email and all hung out at a brewery. Um, But we're all just there and, it's nice to show up. You're going to get a couple people and I'll tell them the story. But the, the selling aspect is not like, like a market where people come in and you can sell a $10 piece. I'm like, this is my $600 three foot by three foot painting. And it's like, it's a hard sell. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a really nice way to hang out and be a part of the art scene. But to take up a whole Saturday night, you know, I really like to make a little bit of money if I'm doing such a thing or do something a little bit more grandiose than try than than talking my goods to people. You know, I'd rather I'd rather just like go to an art show and just hang out instead of having that anxiety. Mm. Of like, oh god, I want to sell my bees. Yeah, no, that that's a good way to think of it is like not thinking of it as a selling environment, just thinking of it as a social environment. Which maybe Once sounds like that, a failure like, well, of the. I'm go hang up my friends. I'm sorry. Uh, I think that maybe makes it sound like like it's a failure of the venue. Then, if it is a hangout environment, not a selling environment, but I don't know. Well, the and I, I have hung in probably six months, but when you're hanging in a uh, in a gallery setting, 
where people come and they quietly move from piece to piece. I think that the pieces that really strike people, the artists are going to know that it's going to strike people and the price is going to be there. And I think it's a really good date idea to go to an art show. I think it's a really good way to interact with the community that builds the things you love. I mean, I've met so many artists that I admired and they're just hanging out there. And I get to go up and be like, huge fan, love what you did here. I love the, you know, like it's this wonderful way of churning the the art scene but it's it's not growing the art scene really because it's i can't say for every gallery show because some of them feel like a forward momentum uh chad mize just did because he has space now uh the last one i went to was his uh say gay or, or that was the last one but he went he did a a large gay exhibit which is say gay and that one was that was powerful. That was like mm-hmm. in June, I think. Holy crap. I was, every single piece was powerful and full of hatred for DeSantis mm-hmm. and love for the community and admiration for the people who came before us and what we can do in the future. And it, it, it just, that one hit. But sometimes they're just like, oh, it's the theme is butterflies. And I'm like, all right, this is nice. But, <laughs> you know, it just didn't doesn't have that like punch where you're like, I went to that. I went to this really cool thing. You know, a lot of it's just goes on every month. Once a month, there is an art show that people go to. And then another question you have to think too, is does powerful translate to sales? Uh, Like in my case, maybe not so much. I don't know. (laughs) Uh, Well, making art is, not easy. Coming up with the art ideas is, in my opinion, pretty easy. Everyone can think of, oh, this would be a really cool painting, or, you know, like see somebody else's take on a classic piece. You're like, well, what would my take be on this classic piece? Those are easy. To make the art, to make the art that sells, I feel like is super easy. To make art, so when I make art, I'm like, okay, this thing is like really pretty and I think it's really nice, but there's there has to be a certain weirdo that wants to have it. When you're making something that is very consumable, I feel like it takes less out of you to make a consumable piece of art. And when people are making that less consumable piece that is for them personally or for the exact weirdo who's working walking past like those are the ones that like strike people and stop them you know and uh i keep on bringing back to chad mines but he did one that was one of his galleries was you take an old piece that you love that no one bought and then reimagine it and he hung both at the same time which is a great idea so i did that i had one that i hung for him in like a, it was like a portrait thing he wanted to do. He had a portrait that never sold. I loved it. I kept on knocking money off of it every single time I brought it out anywhere. No one bought it. So I reimagined it and put them both for dirt cheap. And it was my just like, fuck it. I just want to get rid of them. They both, one of them sold. The new one that I made for it sold. But it was, it was nice to see every artist like, I love this piece, but no one buys it pieces you know you get to go and look and be like wow like what was the reason why it didn't sell was it too a lot of them were too weird 
a lot of them were, you know, had a controversial thing on it. But some, I'm just thinking, like, you probably just priced this like a crazy person. You're just like thousand dollars. You're like, dude, this is a goodwill brand that you bought. <laughs> well, it's it's a good thing you bring up the question about whether or not and why things don't sell. Like, it, it's fascinating to like. And, okay, so I do uh, every now and then. I will do some like woodblock prints with oil based ink, and then I watercolor each print differently because I can't decide on the colors. But oh. I've noticed that. If I am proud of the color arrangement I've done on one of the prints, I think it's got nice harmony to it. It feels like a good, solid idea with the color uh, wheel, I guess, whatever, whatever, whatever colors I've added to it. If I'm proud of it, it's not going to sell as well as one that's just gaudy as hell. But maybe that's just the nature of watercolors specifically, or it's just the nature of like, uh, we're burdened with the art education we've had or we've developed over time while people were selling to don't have so, that burden. You're working with people's shitty color scheme inside their house also. <laughs> that's true. Um. So, I mean... I'm trying really, I mean, I, like I said, I moved to suburbia, um, we're renting, but renting a very beautiful house, not attached to anybody, has a backyard and everything. So we're painting the inside and we're painting it this dark teal as the main color and then black as all the accents. And then all of our like accessories that we're going to buy are going to be like this bronze, gold, like warm, uh, warm orange lighting. It's going to be badass. That's uh, so like kind of what you see behind me. It's like, we're doing this green and black and gold. It's going to be gorgeous. Like, I'm, I'm like, I just stopped painting. I'm painting the kitchen at the moment. But people want to, like, match that aesthetic. So now if I see a painting I like that's already framed, me and my girlfriend were like, they have to be gold frames. That's going to be the look. Everything is gold framed, which is easy. Gold is probably the thing you find the most, but everything's gold framed. So I see something that's framed, I'm like, I gotta go reframe it, or if it doesn't match the green and gold and black feel. Yeah. All right, I gotta go find something else. Or it's tough. I'm in. I'm in the green aspect where my house is gonna be green. A lot of people are just working in white and eggshell and taupe and pink. And I have kind of caught on to that, and I make everything like gold and blue, and that looks really good against white. That's like my new thing is I'm trying really hard to throw some golds and some blues heavy into everything because everyone wants that as their aesthetic. Well, I'm glad you actually brought that up, the idea of selling something that is already framed, because when it comes to doing markets and events, I, over time, discovered that if a piece has a mat on it, it's going to be way more likely to sell. Sorry, if a print has a mat on it, mm. it's going to be a lot more likely to sell than if it doesn't have one. If it had frames, in theory, following that logic, I would be able to sell framed pieces better. But I haven't done that right. experiment because I don't want to carry framed pieces with me when I go to a market. <laughs> so, but I know you're doing these do. these canvas prints. Yeah. So tell me yeah. about your your kind of I guess history of discovering when you're selling a print, when you're selling a canvas print, uh, when you're selling a flat print. What's your experience oh, yeah. with all that? Uh, well. Yeah, it's it's been, as I'm sure any artist who's listening now and you know, every single sale is a learning experience. 
literally it's it's you get a, a young person that comes up and they go i like that i can only try it before the ten dollar print on paper i i had a textured paper um i get from is it printkeg.com they charge an extra two dollars that's flat across the entire shipping so if i get 50 at a time it's just two dollars added to the 50 prints i'm gonna get to get like a textured paper that looks really nice so i get a textured paper I buy them in bulk. I buy the entire line I'm going to do, 50 or 100 at a time. And so they cost me around a dollar, maybe a dollar fifty at the most. And I sell them for 10. So that markup is great. What sizes are those? When, and those are five by sevens. Oh, okay. Five by seven. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. Those are really nice sellers for people who are just walking by and they like the piece. And it's, I try to sign the front of it with like a nice, uh, uh, paint pen, some kind of acrylic paint pen that's like gold, makes it look really nice, gives it like, like you know, an artist yeah. touching the well, front. Let of me quickly interject with that because uh, similarly, yeah. I always sign my digital prints with like a metallic marker pen or something like that or black Sharpie yeah. if it makes sense. But I know traditionally with photography, you're supposed to sign the mat in pencil or pen. And I'm thinking I might mm. be signing my mats now because I usually do a black mat and I think silver Sharpie on a black mat because I, I, I don't like when I sign the print and then I mat it and now my signature is hidden. Gosh. So mm -hmm. I think I'm just going to be starts. I'm going to start. I know this isn't important to the conversation, but I think I'm just going to start signing my mats instead of my prints. That's been a big thing for me. Like when I bought prints from somebody, uh, I'll, I'll just call her out now, Chris Meehan, who I'm a huge fan of her art, uh, Chris with a K, K-R-I-S, Meehan, the way you think you'd spell it. She has a bunch of prints, and I loved her I loved her art. Um, at the time, I couldn't afford her originals, but I got a print, and I went to her and I go, do you have a Sharpie? She goes, yes. I'm like, can you sign the front? She was like, what? And like, in my opinion, when someone walks into your house and you're showing the art, to have the actual signature of the artist, whether it's a print or not, shows that you met the artist you gave a shit you like you you got the first run of prints something that the artist had a hand in doing so not just the artist was the only one that had a high quality image of this piece of art and so i took that and i said i'm gonna do that for everybody i'm gonna number everything i'm going to i have a little stamp with my hummingbird uh image you know i want to i want to write as much as possible on each print so if i'm making a markup of nine dollars I can spend an hour signing all, everything and that's, and then they're done. And I really like them on the front. I think that when people have a piece of your art in your, their house, they want to show it off. They want to show that they found the art, they, they met the artist, you know, and prints obviously are the lowest form quote unquote of you giving your art to somebody. And so, I think that giving that extra, hey, it's signed, everything's a little different, it's numbered, you know, you only have a certain limited line, all that stuff, for me, makes a difference. You know, there's artists that I have found um, from across the world who I've gotten prints from, and I, will, I made sure, I'm like, is it signed by hand? And one guy was like, no. And I was like, can I pay extra to get it signed by hand? He's like, you're the first person to ask me that, like, no extra cost, I will... Yeah, I'll go get it to my house, sign it, and send it back out to you. Because I think you're using like, like a print-to-demand service. Yeah, like where you order it yeah. from the website. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I hit him up. I was like, I love your art. Is it signed? 
And he's like, if it's not signed, are you going to not buy it? <laughs> I remember him saying that. And I was like, nah, I like it, but I just really want to sign. And he's like, dude, that's really awesome. And he's like, yeah, I will do it. No, sorry. So I think that makes a difference. So for my normal prints, I try to really give somebody something extra with a signature. I also frame as much as I can. And for $5 extra on any of my markets, I will frame up any of my flat prints because I just bought a million uh, frames that are five by seven and look really nice. And they're wood grain or black or gold or silver. It's only a match someone's decor. And then you just put your print right in there because I had that textured um, extra $2 I spent. Uh, it looks like something made on some kind of linen or cotton or something. It has that like really good feel. And I made sure to sign where even if you put it in a frame, the signature is still there, pretty prominent. And those sell quick. I will put up something framed in front and people go, is that only $15? I go, yeah. And I go, holy crap, I'll take it. Oh my God, I can't believe that's $15. But my cost for all that was $250, you know? But the frame sells it. They just want somebody to put right into their house. They don't want to. They don't want to think like oh, I'm gonna get this print, and then I gotta get a frame, and then I gotta like find like I want to give you everything, and I want to benefit monetarily from it, and I want to make sure you can hang it up. Because who knows if your rich aunt sees your print and just loves it and follows me and you know buys something crazy, which has happened. I like so. yeah, I like what you're saying about making it easier for the customer to place it in their house because it's already framed so and that's what my my print on canvas does you just put the canvas right on the wall and it looks great so these frames that you got a whole bunch of in bulk do they have that i don't know what you call it like the little fold out kickstand thing to put on a table or are they just like wall ones yeah, i want to make sure it has i want to make sure it has both because at the market you want the kickstand to show it off on a table, and then when people get home, they want to put it on the wall. Um, so going to Goodwill, you find a lot that are damaged, but they're really beautiful frames, and they'll sell them to you for three, four dollars now because Goodwill is expensive now, which is insane. <laughs> I bought a seven dollar shirt from Goodwill a couple days ago. I'm like, <laughs> you're Goodwill. Like, I hate to be an asshole. It's like this is seven dollars. <laughs> um, but yeah, I try to do both. So you can see it and it looks really nice and it's pointed up. And so when someone's walking by, you're like, ooh, a frame piece of art, 15 bucks, 20 bucks, that's awesome. But then when they get home, they can just put it right onto a nail. And with the uh, service I have for the uh, print on canvas, they all come with little command strips on the back of them. So you can just stick them right to the wall. So with those print on canvas things, I. I just from reading the comments on your Instagram, it looks like those are moving pretty quickly. Um, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. what's your, um, uh, how are you getting those in front of customers? Is it just online or is it just in person? Is it a mix? Well, tis the season to do markets. So I'm doing, <laughs> I'm doing as many markets as I can. Like okay. I took this weekend off and I had a wedding. Other than that, I'm, Every weekend, I got a, I got a market, you know. So I'm just selling through markets at the moment. Clothes are selling well. Uh, thankfully, I have a uh, good friend group who want my art, and this has been the way that most of those have come out of the woodwork. Um, 
I've had friends that have bought originals, but putting that, um, I'm sure you saw, I put like one video about my canvases on Instagram. Mm -hmm. I put that also on my personal Facebook, which I try to like hide. And it's just for me and my friends and my family. But I put that out and we had multiple people come through and be like, hey, I want this and that and this and that, you know, and I don't charge them shipping because they're my friends. I'm not trying to make a ton of money, but it's really, it feels official. It feels like, because I, I, again, on them, I signed the front in metallic marker. I try to do like this shadow signature. I don't know if, uh, where you put like a black shadow behind your signature. Because mine, mine is just hummingbird with the first eye being a period. And I have my own like handwriting I do with it, but it's really easy. It's a lot of like vertical lines, so you can make it look really shadowy. When I do that, gives it that awesome like feeling. And then the back, I put all the information, you know, like what the name of it is, what the date it was done, put my you know my actual name, Stephen Brown. Um, I ripped off uh, Sebastian Coolidge's signature. If anyone knows that uh, <laughs> goat of Saint Pete, where you put one part. Uh, normal size and then my last name is upside down um and so i just i give them like a, a real signature that i use for a lot of my, my my personal pieces and then i give them a date i give them you know the name of it i try to like write as much by hand on all of my pieces without taking away from the art you have digital stuff so you can make custom stuff easy right yeah yeah I, I do but like one thing that i was really curious about is i have a website so people see the stuff there they buy the stuff there i it yeah. didn't seem like you have a dedicated website you have your etsy your ebay and then your instagram which yeah. moves a lot of sales so when people want to buy one of those canvas prints are they just reaching out to you and saying hey can i do the one from that thing or are you saying here's a piece yeah, that's I available and people comment on that it's, I mean, like everybody, it's really nice to have, you know, you go through months where you're like, man, I just need some money. You know, <laughs> you look at your bank account, you're like, oh, I need some money. And that's when I'm going to like push the original art mm -hmm. out to Instagram. But I don't have a dedicated website that does that because personally, I don't go to a lot of like actual websites, you know, like, and I, I kind of took a poll of all my friends and family and age groups and you know backgrounds and everyone just kind of stays on their social media they stay on their apps you know if they're not a lot of people use their computers really anymore if they're on their computers you know they're still in the websites that they normally go to you know interesting so to have my website be a daily hit of, of the thousands of people i want to reach or need to reach to sell anything it's probably not going to happen um so I just said, I'm just going to dedicate to Instagram. I'm going to dedicate to YouTube. These things are where my customers live. And if I'm like, hey, I need some money or I have some old pieces that aren't moving. Yeah, I'll get on my stories and I'll put them up and I'll, I'll generate some, some DMs. But other than that, it's people will reach out and be like, hey, I saw this piece or um, what do you have for sale? I have fifty dollars. What does that give me? Give me, which I really love. I really love those things where people want to talk to me, and that's like you know through markets or if you're at an art show and your stuff's hanging. That's what sells. I mean, you might have different success, but it's really people 
love art, sure, but you can go on some of these stupid websites where you just get like a Velcro piece that you put on your wall and you bought that for $50 off of some Chinese website. If someone wants real art, they want to know the real artist. That's my opinion. You know, people want to know the St. Pete kid that has been making art in St. Pete for 10 years. You know, like that is the like, oh, I'm St. Pete's fuck. This person is St. Pete's fuck. I want to support it. Like my money's going directly into their bank account to go buy groceries. And when you're even like, I, I at some point, he hasn't hit me up in a while. I had some guy from Germany who just loved my stuff. And he found me through Instagram. And he just be like, what's this $200 give me? You know? And I was like, oh, it gets you this. And I made him a piece. And he's like, oh, I love that piece. What does $300 get me? And I made him that piece. And it was like, but it was like, it was the, the, the interaction is, I think, what sold. As much as he loved my stuff, it was like that interaction is what sells. And uh, I had a guy that it the, the the deal didn't go through. He had some money issues after like a week of us talking, which might be where my style is not working because it's not immediate. Um, the commission pieces are amazing when people want to like, hey, I like your work. Have you ever done this? You know, can you do a cat? Can you do a dog? You know, because I do a lot of birds. And it's the talks that we have that like, it makes art art, you know? Prints and printing on demand is a great revenue stream. But when you have someone go, hey, my, like for me, I do a lot of hummingbirds. Someone was like, hey, my grandmother loves hummingbirds. Uh, when she died, this was her favorite hummingbird piece. Could you like recreate it in your style? Like that was like, holy shit. Like, yeah, of course. That sounds awesome, you know? And those are things that I think sell really well through my Instagram as well as, which we haven't talked about, and I don't know if you want to get into the magic art stuff, um, but that is where a lot of people are seeing a lot of my art and whether they buy through Instagram, it still gets in their head that I'm putting out so much art of this style. Uh, and in, I don't know if I should explain what I'm talking no, about. Yeah, go. I mean, I was going to get to there, but before we do that, I, I had another question. Oh, yeah. So if this is kind of the model that is working for you, where you are basically, I don't know, uh, you're selling your time. Um, it's kind of hard <laughs> to just say that, I guess, but like you're not, you're not hidden behind a wall of product. I guess I could say you are mm -hmm. doing that on that one-on-one -on -one engagement to make the sale happen. Do you think at a certain mm -hmm. point that becomes untenable with the growth that you're seeing in your art business. Do you think you'll be forced to go behind a wall? I mean, my prices just get more expensive. Oh, yeah, I guess that's true. That's a good point. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, like, but I, I get to the point pretty quick. Like, I'm not trying to spend, I'm not trying to make a fucking 10 pal. As much as I love, like, <laughs> love my art, like, you are my person. If someone's like, I want to buy your art, you are my, you are in my tribe, you are my favorite human being ever. There, so many things can happen to so many other people. If someone has my art in their house, I will protect you. I will die for you. I'm not saying I don't want it, but I get to the point of what they want. I'm like, hey, what you looking for? You know, I get to that really quick. Um, 
and just you know, you, you suss out if someone's real. You know, you, you always kind of do. Well, I think that says a lot about me but, that I always forget you can raise prices. I instead only think about increasing <laughs> volume. <laughs> Quality over quantity is the great battle that, <laughs> that all businesses have to come through. Yeah, sometimes you just got to tell somebody like, no, that's not $100. That is $300. And I had to do that at the art crawl. I had one big original that I never bring out. And I just put a sticker that said, make me an offer. And some family came up and loved my piece. And I know dad was a decision maker. Everyone was talking, but dad was like real pensive, like just looking at the piece, not looking at me, not really talking. Everyone else was talking. And he goes, so it's more than a hundred. I was like, it's definitely more than a hundred. Okay. And like, I don't have, I really don't have a number in my head. But I know what's not right. You know, I know what's not the right number. He's like, 200. And I was like, no. He's like, what's the number? And this is not my number, but I just said it. I was like, I would love to get like 600. Because I want him to bounce in the middle. You know, I wanted 400 for that piece. And he was like, ah, I can't do six. And I was like, what can you do? He's like, 200. I was like, all right, done. I don't want to do, I don't want to, I, I'm not going to sell to you. I understand where you're at. I thought he was going to bounce back and forth, but I don't know what that piece really costs. Like, I really don't have a number I want to put on it. If someone came up with $300 bills in their hand, I may have taken it. But 200 was too little because I know the level of... I didn't spend a lot of time in that piece. I just know the level of artist I am now. And I'm not selling 200 pieces that are that big and that nice. You know, I I caught fire right uh, making that painting. And it's just worth more to me because I know it's good. Well, you know, a, a funny thing related to that is I, I had John Gascott on recently. And one thing we talked about was mm. we, we both agree that if a piece has prints available of that piece, it doesn't lower the value of the original piece. If anything, it makes the p original piece more valuable because more people have seen it, but still only one person has an original and more people can identify that there right. is that original. That being said, if I'm thinking about me in your situation there, in my mind, I'd be like, well, I already made $600 selling prints off of that image. So I'd be more right, likely to have right. it go lower, which is, I guess, <laughs> me doing the opposite of what I said on that other episode, which is a very strange place to be in. I don't know. Did, well, it's, had you made it's also my girlfriend really likes that piece. So I'm just like, I can't come back and be like, I sold your piece, honey. <laughs> no, 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 <laughs> I, I know, I know. Third of what I really wanted. Yeah. Well, it, uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's, but it's also, and I was talking to somebody at the art crawl because she was like, I want to do this next year. I want to start in 2024 doing art. So I'm, I'm an artist. I followed her. She's really good. She just doesn't know how to start. She doesn't know how much, like, she's like, I want to put all this money into it. I'm like, well, it's little by little. But I told her, I'm like, you have this piece that's really amazing. I, I went on her Instagram, I, like, I like this piece a lot. She's like, yeah, you know, but I think it's too expensive. I'm just like, it might be, but I've made so much money off of one piece that I sold for $300, which is the right amount. One of my really, really good, I just went to their wedding a couple of days ago. He's the one who bought this piece. And I made so many prints and stickers and buttons of this thing. Man, that $300 is like not even what I'm considering. I am making so much money off of that. It's and I told her that I was like, look around. This one image, I have four different versions of this image, and I'm selling them all day long. 
So it's a, I understand what you're saying. It's with that extra $200 would be really nice in my pocket. Sure. But I know the right person is going to give me 600 or it's going to hang above my fireplace, which is where my girlfriend told me this morning and she wants it. And I get to look at it every single fucking day. And it was like the piece that changed my artistic expression. Like Mm -hmm. it was a huge growth moment was this piece. And that brand, maybe I'm putting an extra hundred, couple hundred dollars on it because of that, but it, it means something. Yeah. It really does to me. Well, I think you know, I, I've seen a lot of John stuff and John stuff seems to mean a lot to him too. You yeah. Know? Well, I feel like I, I just kind of recognized my own business failures with the way I would have approached that situation. So thank you for talking this out with me. <laughs> I don't know if I'm right. I know I'm right because if no, I no. came home with that, I think I you are right. And again, that. that ties back to what John and I were saying, that because there are prints, the original becomes more valuable. And my issue is I'm not thinking about individual sales and individual pieces. I'm thinking about the lifetime of an image as an IP. So it's kind of just yeah. a different way to approach it, which has me ended up, I guess, losing money in the long run in that situation. But I guess another thing no. it comes down to is I don't have originals because I'm all digital art. Well, I mean, my watercolors, yeah. but, you know, so I, I it, it then becomes a conversation that I don't even need to be a part of, I guess. <laughs> but, you know, these originals mean something to you. And I feel like that right person who who knows walking around right now in three months is I'm gonna see at a market who's gonna say this this is the piece you know I gave that family on Instagram I'm like hey if you want to come up to my level put a couple extra hundred bucks on it let me know it's gonna hit the right spot and if it doesn't for me I feel like I'm gonna get that amount of enjoyment out of seeing it every day when I walk past it to go up to my office to work on more art I'm gonna see the piece that changed me as an artist like really it was exactly one year ago uh it was hurricane ian i lost power i strapped a headlamp to my head and i finished this piece in a day and a half and it's better than any other art i made since then and i knew why it was better and what i did and i replicated not replicated but i kept that feeling the entire way through and now i feel like i'm a better artist and 200 dollars is not what it's worth you know and someone will know that and someone will give me my $600, which I still think is too low, but you know, what kind of name do I have? All that stuff factors in, but someone's going to give that to me or I'm going to see it in my house and be proud of it every single day. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not the kind of artist. I do have stacks of originals that I need to get rid of at some point, but I'm not the artist that's sad about that. You know, yeah, I have stacks of originals and I love them. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, look at all this, mm-hmm. look at all this stuff. So let's talk a bit about, I guess, in in service of that person you met who wanted to know how to start. Can you describe your booth setup at your typical market and how is it different at Art Crawl and why? So for Art Crawl, I bought a second um, six foot table. So now I have two six foot tables. I have those stretchy uh, tablecloths, uh, which I think look really clean and nice. They don't blow in the wind or anything looks stupid. Whenever I go to any event, any um, market, there's always one booth that I'm just like, they look put together and cool. And if I were walking by, I'd go back. For me, 
I try to find that every time if I can ever leave. If normally I throw these things by myself, I can never leave because I have a very I'm clocking in to work. You know, art crawl was very lucrative for me. I'm just like, I'm just gonna stay here. You know, if I lose out fifty dollars because I left my booth, that's not worth it. But at other events, I have seen people do a lot of pull you into their their ten by ten tent where you walk in and it's a little U shape and you come in and you're surrounded by their art and it seems really nice. I don't like that as a consumer. I don't want to come in, look at your art and be like, I don't like it and then have to like leave. I feel like that's like you're putting this weird pressure on people. So what I did at Art Crawl was I had because I had like a kind of a corner, I had an L where all of my tables were just pushed way out into like where people are walking by. So as you're walking by, you can't you can just you can just have a nice cadence and just walk by and say, No, I don't like that, or something stops you, and then I'm right there. The second you stop moving your little feet, <laughs> I'm like, hey, what caught your eye? No, oh, you like this one? Oh, this one's awesome. Let me tell you about it. This one's called Checkmate. Can I put a little smiley face in it? Can you see it? People will lose it if you interact with them that way. But if someone just comes into your 10 by 10 and there's like, oh, it's not really my style, which a lot of my stuff is, if your stuff, you know, it's a certain person, they, people feel like weirded out or rude or, you know, I don't want that feeling. I want to be an aisle in Walmart where you can just walk by and be like, oh, I'm in the right place. I just need to find the exact thing. You know, you're in the sports, the sports out goods store. You're like, I'm just looking for a water bottle. You're like you're trying to find that cool sticker, that cool print instead of being like a burnout spot where people come in and they're, they're not into my stuff and they're like, eh, and they just, I feel like I'm ruining them for the rest of the market. So for a lot of markets, I have a 10 by 10, two six foot tables, and I try to position the tables as front facing as possible, where it's like out in front of you, where I have a bunch of space behind me, which is not being used, which kind of sucks, but you know, it is what it is. I mean, emotionally, it feels nice to have your own like private space back there. (laughs) I can (laughs) practice my dancing. And um, when when people come up to it, then I engage them and I bring them in and I show them all the things and I try to lead them down because I have so many different expressions in my art. I have the canvas prints, which I'm trying to double my money on the big ones, maybe triple my money on the small ones, if not more. Um, I am like sticker area where I try to like position the stickers where they're kind of sitting up. Um, I have this little grid it's like a standing grid that I bought at uh, Goodwill and I put all my stickers on it. So it's kind of like positioned up. I want someone to walk by and see my art come to me, not ever have everything be flat, be flat where everyone can like, they have to come up to me and then look down. I want them to see it presented to them as they're walking by. So if I'm their kind, I'm their kind of artist, I, they will come over to me. Um, or just an advertise that I might be that kind of artist or if you go to some kind of other market where people are selling candles and stuff you're like i'm the artist you know so they come through i have sticker section it's all my stickers all my pins and then i made a bunch of tiny little canvases um with a lot of birds the hard black outline so it like really stands out um and the whole canvas is totally painted you know uh on all sides 
people come up to those. Um, I have the winds got me a little bit. It sucks working in paper products. Um, so I have small canvases. I have canvas prints. I have regular prints that I have just like standing up in a gigantic like library uh, display piece that was kind of on the corner. And if you go around the other side, this is a secret that uh, now that we're 43 minutes in, only the real diehards are going to know about. <laughs> I have this recycled cotton that I found on, Am uh, on Amazon. And there are little four by six, five by seven, you know, pieces of recycled cotton that were ripped really nice. So they like look really good mounted into a frame. And I just doodled whatever the hell I wanted on acrylic with acrylic paint. I just doodled whatever the hell. It's a face. It's a bird. It's a demon. I do a lot of weird demons. And I make sure, I tell myself, don't spend more than 15 minutes on this. It's more than 15 minutes. It's not worth it. And I sell those for $15. They're original pieces. $15. One of ones on really cool paper. Um, and those do very well for me. Some people get it. Some people are just like, wow, I'm getting original art for $15. That's a great price. And some pieces sell, some people, some pieces don't. Obviously, I can be on a great streak on the night and make a really good, you know, art. Sometimes you just don't feel it and you're trying your best. Um, so you are those making those live time. while you're at the booth, too? No, oh. sometimes I do. Depends the market. Now, nowadays, I don't because I have so much product. But at other markets, I would do them live and kind of like put them out wet. And then people buy them I'm like, hey, it's wet, slim, you know. But it's like a really, I could like feed the machine while, you know, while at a market to give myself, myself something to do. But now I try to have them done and put them out. And then I do the frame trick where behind everything, around the entire, all the tables are just framed pieces, framed prints, framed recycled cotton originals and those are all positioned up so again when someone comes through they see all those little frame pieces and then something that i found that worked incredibly well for me is to price everything put a little price sticker on literally everything when people have, at these markets i know for me if i'm walking around i'm burnt out immediately the second the sun hits me and then I have a beer and then I have some weird popcorn and a hot dog, like I feel strained. So to have the price there, someone goes, I like that. Price is there. Money's in their pocket. Versus me having to say, oh, this is 15. This is 10. This is 12. Like it gets in their head. They're like, why is that 12? Like that didn't make any sense. So it's, that's the setup that I, found has worked really well well to add to the pricing thing that, I, i've noticed uh, there's probably hundreds of dollars that i've made from people who are have terrible social anxiety and wouldn't give me money if i didn't have the price on the piece like you know you've had people walk up to you yeah. that like don't even look you in the eye they hand you ten dollars show you whatever they want to buy and then just walk away that's a sale you would make if they had to ask you how much it cost and those people are the most precious, yeah. adorable babies. <laughs> like you want, you just like, oh my god, here's a free pen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know they're like, gonna go home and covet whatever it is they got. They'll be like, wow, I made oh, a friend. God, those people are the, the best. Yes, the the social anxiety, neuro, atypical people 
who are at this, maybe this is the first event they've gone to in a while because it was so hot out for the summer, all this stuff. I mean, I have a big soft spot in my heart for people like that. And yes, it's very easy to give them the easy sale. And again, we're all, we're all conditioned for that. We're all conditioned for the easy sale. You know, I, uh, I got burnt down on Facebook Marketplace yesterday and said, F it. I'm just going to go on Amazon and buy it new and have it be delivered to me because I don't have to haggle or go and find it or deliver it to myself. You know, like some people just want the easy click. I want this now. And at markets, you got to identify that like that's going to be a good amount of your sales. It's just like someone goes, oh, that's 15. I want it. Thank you. Goodbye. Great. Like that's, it's easy for me. It's easy for them. Everybody's happy. So with, with, with my setup, I have like a, a wall that I hang prints on. I rarely ever bring originals, but I have a, a wall, which is just like a, I got a step and repeat custom uh, vinyl banner made. Then I did a grid of grommets on it. So I bungee corded to the wall cool. of the tent and I just hang things in the grommets. But I, I, the big prints I use as a way to get people to come in, look closer and then now that they're in my tent, they're more comfortable looking around at the other things. So I don't necessarily expect right. to sell a large print, but it will get people curious about what's on that image. Uh, the prints that do sell yeah. the best are my smaller ones. Those I have in a little folding thing on the end of the table, like right at the entrance to the tent. So if people are uncomfortable entering my space, they still have something to interact with that's more or less outside yeah. the space. But yeah, you really, just like you're saying, you really need to think about where people feel comfortable coming into your area and then try and meet them as close to their side of comfort level as possible. Yeah. I mean, I, I would love to have people come in and be surrounded by my art. I mean, I'm sure it feels amazing for you when people come in and they're like, Oh my God, this and that you get to interact with me and talk to them. Does your setup, does it have like a flow? Like you come in the left side, you come out the right side, or is it just kind of? So I have too much. In, <laughs> I have too much shit for one table. So I have two tables. Uh, one of them I put on um, uh, PVC pipes just to elevate it, so I can sit higher. It adds like levels to the area, the space, mm. and I can tuck one in kind of at the other. But I do it at an L shape, and I'm in the back of the tent. So when people come in okay. on the right side, they have all my tarot decks. And my prints uh, on the left are the large prints hanging on the wall. But straight in front of them are my coloring books, my miniature role playing games, my pins, my stickers. So Very cool. I, I can't really say like why I have things in what area, but it's just worked for me. And that's just kind of been what I've been repeating. Um, but right. Art Crawl was more of an artsy event more, I guess, of a traditional art event than things I usually do. So I did actually have framed pieces this time because um, I thought if, if they're going to sell anywhere, it'll be here. They didn't, but no. it's just such a hassle to bring heavy French no. shit. But, <laughs> but it's also finding your people. And that, those were like, people were there to buy art, yeah. you know? Yeah. I sold a ton of prints. And some guy came up, he was, he was drunk. And he was just like, I love this. I'm like... Uh, he's like, dude, I never buy art for myself. He's just, because they was at a brewery. He was just like, dude, I never buy art for myself. I want that. That is cool as shit. I'm just like, dude, you're the right kind of person. You just came for like a nice, nice night out, you know, and you just like wandered around and you're like, that's what hit me. And those people at the art call were like, 
they they understood what was in front of them. You know what I mean? Like they're like, oh, this is all art. I just have to find the right art for me. And I'm really happy that that was like because I do so many markets with like I'm next to you know a t-shirt company and a plant lady and stuff like that was that was the right place to bring as much big stuff as possible for sure well let's now shift over to the magic the gathering uh stuff you do you you've uh it seems like uh does really well for you on instagram the videos of you expanding the paintings on magic the gathering cards how'd you get into that Mm -hmm. how have you been nursing that and how has that been working for you so i've been playing since i was seven uh so i was a player first uh what set did you start with what was the first set you bought uh ice age okay i'm old yeah you're a little bit older than me my first set was uh tempest uh and then after that i collected homelands because that was still around i tried to get everything in homelands but ice age was like just you might be like one year older than me i'm guessing or two years old (laughs) just based on magic the gathering yeah yeah, yeah, exactly. That's a good, that's a good barometer of what yeah. people are. Um, so I've been playing forever. Like most um, adult males, I stopped once I realized that girls existed. And then uh, picked it back up when I was like 20, 21. Just as a way to like, you know, just have something to do. You know, it's it's a great like social... It, it's, it's a whole universe that you get into, especially playing it and collecting it. It's a huge part of the friend groups I have and, you know, what gives me my nice downtime to like watch a video on or collect all that stuff is really fun. So I've been a player for a long time and uh, it's called altering uh, cards is what we call it altering. So I knew that it was a part of the community was that you can get in and alter a card. Uh, You can get in with a very thin acrylic paint. I use a wet palette. So it's a, uh, say a hard surface, think of like a Tupperware top with a thin uh, thin sponge on the bottom. I cut up a t-shirt on top of that and then I soak the whole thing with water until it's like really saturated. And then I put a piece of parchment paper, like a Reynolds parchment paper, I cut to side and put on top of that. So the water seeps through very, very slowly and it keeps your acrylic paints nice and thin and lasts for a long time. So it's a really thin application of a lot of layers of acrylic paint that you are going to match the art that's on it. So in a magic card, it's only a small frame of art that describes or is a representation of what the card does. And then there's a frame around it. There's a hard black frame. And then there's also a colored uh, border that's around it. And I paint the image that's in the middle as big as possible all the way out to the end. Uh, And I do that for profit. I try to make about $50 a card uh, profit. So that is after eBay or Etsy takes its cut. It's after I buy the original art. It's after the original card. And it's after I ship it. I'm trying to make $45 to $50 uh, at the end of it. And that has been something I dedicated myself to right when the pandemic hit. So I was doing it for fun before the pandemic. And I was telling all my friends who I played Magic with, I'm like, you get one freebie, I just want to test it. So people would give me their favorite card or a card they didn't like or whatever. And I would just do it as, as an act of love for my friends. I'm like, yeah, I want to practice and give you something cool. So I just did it. And I 
always knew how to paint. So I was like, all right, this should be easy. And I got better and better and better. And I was working as a bartender at the time. So when the pandemic hit, my money's gone. <laughs> you know, uh, I kind of, I kind of paint originals at the time, um, but nothing that I'm looking to sell or have an audience for. And I just said, all right, let's, let's go at it. And I took high, high quality scans of all the ones that I had in my possession. And I built a library from there and put them up on eBay and Etsy, TCG player. Uh, I just moved into Mercari, um, which is kind of working. It's a Japanese uh, website that does only Japan and USA. And they do a lot of collectibles. And my prices are high. My prices start at like $60 across the board. But I put out a lot of quantity of it. Uh, I talked to another artist who does them very infrequently and tries to make $100, $150, $200 per piece uh, when I'm trying to make 50 And they will be able to spend a day, two days on a piece. Me, I'm trying to spend an hour, two hours on a piece. Um, and that is where I'm finding a nice revenue stream. It certainly pays my rent every month to have something I can sit down at my desk, put in my, my headphones and just listen to a podcast and just paint something that I don't know if you can hear that. Yeah. <laughs> Fire. Oh, I like how the light hit you. That's pretty. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but when I do these things, it's like, I get to just zen out, paint something that I've probably painted five, ten times already. My girlfriend's sitting next to me. She works at a, a, a nine to five. We have a really nice time. Just I'm painting and setting up, you know, shipping back to people. And it's that's the way where I don't get, I don't really interact with a lot of people. Someone buys it off of eBay. eBay sends me an email. I order the card, paint it, send it to the person, never have to talk to somebody. But I went crazy painting up. That was my full, I still consider it my full-time job. I try to do it five to six days a week. My original paintings are taking a huge hit because this thing is something I'm trying to spend a lot of time on. And it is a way for me to make a, like a, it's not great money, but make money mm -hmm. at my desk, nine to five, quietly, and feel like I'm I'm doing so with a paintbrush, which is very hard to do. You know, it's it's been a community of people who are extremely passionate about those things too. I'll paint a character that people lose their minds. Today, I just uh, painted Sauron. I saw that, that one. Out. Yeah. Yeah, and it's doing really well. It feeds the social media. It gets people talking. And I have turned someone who bought two of my altered uh, magic cards into buying an original. Uh, it doesn't happen a lot. I mean, it was literally only one person. But it was like every painting, I, every uh, altar I make for someone, I always slip in an original uh, sticker that has my at on it. So they'll follow me on Instagram and YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, all that. And maybe they'll just follow me for magic stuff, but I'm still getting that follow. And then I get another person who might see my stories or might see everything. It's just, it, it binds it all together to have 
this <laughs> freaking Sauron reference. It binds them in darkness. <laughs> um, it takes the nerddom that's still painting and the original paintings and puts them together into a nice community that I can talk to all at once, which is, it's hard to do to blend two communities. And I think Instagram is the, is the glue. That, I mean, that sounds like you're living the dream there. <laughs> I mean, I know it's, it's not your ultimate destination, but you're having a wonderful journey mm -hmm. getting to that destination. I mean, money is money. Everyone needs it. And I enjoy doing this. You know, it's not a, I enjoy doing it. I enjoy this being my business. And, you know, it's, it's not a ton of money, but it's money with a paintbrush, which is always appreciated. So how often are you keeping like inventory just on stock or are they all custom orders? So for the magic cards, I try really hard to, for all the stuff that costs 10 cents, 15 cents. I try to buy as much as possible. Not as much as possible. I try to keep five, 10 of each. And they're, they're a dime. You know, you can, I can buy 10 of them for a dollar. It's not a big deal. Try to have those in reserves. But when someone orders something, I paint it. I, I keep it. I put it on my commission list pretty much. Mm -hmm. And I paint it and try to get them out to them in probably two weeks time. However, a lot of cards are $5, $10. And those I have to just custom buy from the internet and sent to me. And then once I open up my mail, then I have to paint them pretty quickly because people are waiting. And I know, I know you buy stuff on the internet. If mm -hmm. you buy something for $60, $70 and it doesn't ship in a week, you're like, eh. And then it takes two weeks to get to you once they say it's shipped. Some people have a problem with it. Sure. You know, because people are so used to, I put in my order, it should be a two-day shipping, you know? So I don't really have a huge amount of inventory for that, but I kind of fake it till somebody complains on Etsy or eBay. And if someone complains, I'm like, hey, this is the deal. I, I buy the raw card, I paint it, I send it out to you. Um, you're at the top of my list. I probably, like I always say they're at the top of my list because that by the time they email me, they are at the top of my list. It's not, it's the mail that's not coming quick enough, not me. It's getting it out to them. But when someone complains, nobody ever returns something. No one ever says, oh, that, you know, like, I want to cancel. You just tell them it's original art. I'm painting this with my hands, you know? And people normally calm down pretty well and are very happy to. So if you were, if you were thinking about, um, I guess, if you were planning on uh, growing the revenue for this side of the business, would it mm. be a matter of you increasing volume, increasing price, or increasing the locations in which people are buying those? Like, for example, doing a whole bunch up front and then mm -hmm. putting them in a store, uh, like a like a, a gaming store right. or something like that. Have you thought about what the next steps for growing that element of the business would be? I have theories. I don't know. That part of the business is... So do you still play Magic? Um, not really. <laughs> I mean, I play the hell okay. out of board games, but um, no. Right. Not as not Magic. Well, um, the people who create Magic the Gathering are kind of doing what I'm doing. Like, they're making borderless cards mm -hmm. pretty quickly, pretty reliably. 
my niche was you like a card, I can get the super duper version. You can only get the super duper version from me. So that was really nice, like cornering that market, giving them something that they can never have, but they already love. They already love this one card. So I can make the super duper version for 60 bucks. Which for most people are like, yeah, that's what a great deal. Now the people, as new cards are coming out, most most of them that people are gonna want to have without a border painted all the way to the side is now already printed all the way to the side. So it's really hard for me to find my niche and also expect them to spend that kind of money. Granted, people are still doing so. The way for me to beat that, to outperform the company who's trying to put the unauthorized artist of their IP out of business is to grow into a giant. Like I need to, I need to up my, I I think my prices are never going to lower, but I think I need to just pump out way more product. Um, I know I can do it if I don't focus on originals or forgo my, you know, responsibility as a friend and partner. There's ways for me to do it. It's being really smart about where you put your time mm-hmm. and having and hitting people at the right. The right card needs to be painted at the right time. Would it it defeat the whole? Would it defeat the whole purpose of the altering if you did a high quality scan, printed it larger, like eleven by fourteen, and then did the painting on top of that for a higher price? Because it's not on the actual card anymore. Would that be a problem? They want them on game pieces. My stuff tournament legal. You can take my painted card, which I painted on top of, bring it into a tournament worth money that you paid money into that goes on your permanent record of being a magic professional and my cards will pass the test. Like that is what the promise I'm giving you is that it's a so game it doesn't add any still... thickness to it. Your, your paint is so thin that it doesn't add any thickness to the card. Extre- if it's, if it's anything, you can't tell once it's in a sleeve because people use protective oh, that's sleeves right. yeah, to put them on. Safe. So if it's anything, it's nothing. It's like they test it in a way not like they weigh the grams of every card. <laughs> they go, hey, if you can, if you have your deck just laying flat, can we tell which ones are painted? And you, you cannot. So that passes a lot of tests. So it's, I know right now this part of my business is not how, and you, I think you said it, it's not what's going to propel me into legendary status. Like I said, <laughs> I'm not going to become a famous artist because of these magic cards. However, they are paying my rent, my bills, and that is something I will, I will click, I will cling to for a while. You know, that's it's hard to get rid of that mm. revenue stream in your head. Can I submit an but idea? Yeah, <laughs> Can I submit an idea? Oh, okay, please. instead of making the cards bigger, again, they they would need to frame it in this situation. But what if you got like three or four cards, laid them next to each other, and then you painted it into a landscape where they're all interacting with each other? Mm. Yeah, that's <laughs> I've done it before. Oh, there you go. It's really cool. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> super cool. It's but it's this sweet spot of how much I'm charging someone. Yeah. I feel like I'm right on the edge of charging too much. Sure. 
So if I selling three or four at the same time, you know, now I'm charging somebody $250, you know? I mean, that's always the so balance like it, you know, that's kind of the fun <laughs> of being uh, in an art business, <laughs> figuring out what's true. Work, what you doesn't are, work and then tweaking it every, every time something's a little bit different. Yeah. It's, it's a beautiful community of nerds. And like you were saying with someone who is, you know, possibly very socially anxiety ridden, these people, this is their way of like peacocking is by getting a painted card versus everybody else just has a regular version. Those are, look at me. They don't have to interact or do anything with me. So it's, it's nice to be a part of that community and give, give to this community that I love, this game that I love. I love Magic. I think it's the best game ever made. But I love giving myself to this. And I don't have a good answer for you as how to grow that side of business. I think I like, if I just stay really smart and really disciplined, I think the money will just stay there. But I actively have the owners of this game doing what I do at a huge professional level that they just look like it was like five years ago they started doing it like they started out five years maybe three years ago they saw what painters were doing and said oh we can we can do that just make a little bigger and now it's like getting harder but they're getting like internationally acclaimed fantasy artists to do it you know have uh have you tried to vend at gaming conventions even if it's just a matter of a way to take or on commissions and like oh i'll work on them when i get back home kind of a thing a little bit um the booth prices are out of their out of out of control at a lot of these things i'm trying to find different ways to get into markets like right now i'm doing a lot of like random saturday or sunday markets you know that a lot of people go to but it's yeah they'll take everybody you know, like we'll take someone making pottery or someone selling doll clothes. Um, a really good one that I was told by one of my friends who does a lot of markets is to like go to like a bird convention because I make a lot of birds. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, that's smart. Like just go to a bird convention. They were like, oh, surreal hummingbirds. I'm definitely down. They would just they grab them all up. That's so smart. But well, not even I that. Just like even if you just that. went to the Great Florida Birding Trail and just set up somewhere on that trail. Right. I mean, birding is huge in Florida. So there's lots of groups that yeah. get together for birding. But yeah. <laughs> these are all these are all things that like they take they take me getting out of my comfort zone to do. And it's it's hard for anybody. To be like, well, I'm paying my bills, you know, mm-hmm. it's I got a schedule. I'm just like, no, you gotta go on to a birding trail (laughs) no i know what you mean like i i feel like i've luckily gotten to a place where i can be a lot like i guess the money i make from markets is so much less important to my overall business health than it was uh pre-pandemic i guess so i can be a lot more judicious Mm. about where i go so like it I have a spreadsheet where I track my return on investment for every market I've been to. I track the vending fees and mm-hmm. you know how much was cash, how much was card. And based on that, I can like look at my history and see if it's worth me going to that event again. So I only give myself room to experiment maybe twice a year now on a, an event that mm-hmm. I don't already know I'm going to be making tons of money at. Tons of money is a relative turn. <laughs> but I mean, tons of money for me. 
Right. So uh, I, I right. love that. But that being said, there are those really big markets. Like, for example, um, like, like you were saying, going to a birding event, uh, when I vend at a metaphysical or or witchcraft market, I'm going to do really well because not a lot of people there have original tarot decks. You know, so it's yeah, that, that's the same experience you would get if you went to a birding event or something like that. Yeah, it's definitely it was only a couple of weeks ago that he told me that it's like been in my head. I'm like, how do I even find these things? <laughs> well, I, it's like not a part of my Facebook events that get into my into my feed. So I got to start getting in there. Yeah, I mean, there's plenty of like also just I mean, even if you just had some type of little setup at like Bach Tower Gardens where there's tons of birds and birds are part of the the atmosphere thematically, it could work. I don't know. <laughs> yeah these are all really good ideas these are i know that and my girlfriend says all the time she's been a wonderful muse half manager of my things she's like you're these things are good and they're gonna do well you know like i know i need to focus on them getting right in front of the right people mm -hmm. um and it's just it's easier said than done by a long shot you know it's, it's all like footwork said, it's and there's only so many hours in the day yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah yeah all right. well on that note uh i mean i could probably talk to you for another three hours but uh <laughs> we're getting kind of long in the tooth here we start wrapping it up <laughs> so everyone yeah. uh everyone can follow your work uh the quickest way to find your stuff is instagram.com slash hummingbird with the first i is a period so that is h-u-m-m -M period n-g-b-i-r-d uh, i know you also yeah. have a subscription thing you just started do you want to talk a bit about that yeah, it's um, I'm heavily tattooed, so I watch a lot of tattoo artists do their thing. Um, that was a part of that art that I never went through with. I got offered an apprenticeship, just didn't do it. But there was a tattoo artist that had this idea for a subscription service that I loved, and I stole it. Was that it's five dollars? Everyone who's in it will get sticker packs or prints or whatever I feel like liquidating and mailing out to everybody. Um, at the end of the month, so everyone just gets something for sure, stickers, whatever, for your five dollars. But I take all that five dollars, however many people are in the subscription, and I bundle it all together and put that into one big piece of art, and then I raffle not raffle, I randomly give that to one person. So if five people are in, that's twenty-five dollars that I get to play with. I'll take a piece that's worth twenty-five dollars, and I will pick one person at random, and that person gets in the mail a big piece. So I'm still making my $25. I am selling, quote unquote, selling a piece of art. I'm making people who will probably spend that $5 for a good amount of months. And then I'm getting stickers, stickers out and building a community of people. And it's not really to make profit. It's something just to keep your community engaged. People want to feel like they're giving money to something cool. And I think that's really cool that like, say I catch fire and I, I will be able to get rid of not get rid of, be able to sell and push out a bunch of big originals. Uh, and that'd be a really good way to do it. You know, that's really, or cool. I'd start making original for the subscription service, knowing that I have, you know, a hundred dollar piece coming every month. I'd have to start making. So how would so people want to subscribe to that or find more information on that? That's all on Instagram. Uh, go on my Instagram and there'll be a button next to follow. Let's just say subscribe. And it is $5. You get in there. And uh, 
we have a chat and we have a lot of fun and everyone gets to get some stickers and I try to talk to my subscribers as much as possible about what I should do with my business. So what's the next sticker you want to see? What kind of prints, uh, you know, do you want to be uh, made into canvas? Things like that. That's really cool. I didn't know you could have subscriptions on Instagram. Yeah. Wow. Um, I think <laughs> I don't even know they, how to make stories. <laughs> yeah. So Instagram does it right. I think as far as all um, platforms, it's just hard to kind of make work for you. TikTok seems to really want to work for you. Facebook has a million options. Um, Instagram's got the most to give and the most like su substantial stuff in there, but you, once you hit settings or edit profile, it's it's overwhelming sometimes. So like navigate to where you need to be. Awesome. Well, once again, thank you so much, Stephen. You have been a wonderful font of knowledge. I've learned a lot, and this has been a really fun conversation. Yeah, Nick, you're a really easy person to talk to, and I really enjoyed your art, even though we've never actually met <laughs> or I've never seen it in person. Uh, I'm sure we'll run into each other again soon. Are you going to be doing the uh, Bradenton Punk Rock Flea Market? Yes, I am. All right, I'll see you down there then. <laughs> awesome, man. I'll see you there. All right, see ya. Bye, Stephen. Art for Profit's Sake is recorded through Riverside FM, distributed through Spotify for Podcasters, and edited on Adobe Audition. The music is provided by Old Romans. If you learned anything useful or found this podcast helpful, please rate and review us five stars. If you want to learn more about me or my art, head over to chainassembly.com.